This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. We're back from Brian Kelly's introductory press conference for the season. We did our instant analysis. We've transcribed a little bit, written a little bit, posted a lot. Um, You know, there was a lot to take out of that from a big picture more than a small picture. But, you know, we talked a bunch about on instant analysis about some of the big picture things. So smaller you know, he talked a lot about the offensive line, talked about tight ends. Um, I thought his praising of the defense was interesting based on the volume of guys he listed. And also, I would almost have preferred he listed fewer guys because then I would have put more credence behind it. But clearly, he is incredibly high on the offseason that Matt Bayless put together for this roster. I mean, we'll all see it for ourselves uh, Tuesday at Culver. And I would guess as well it should be, especially when you're comparing it to the past. I think... I take Brian Kelly at face value that they are, for the first time ever, I listen to someone talk about strength and conditioning, and I believe that what they're saying is probably true, that they are stronger, faster, in better shape, and better prepared to try and win. As we said right before this podcast, and 200 times along with all of you, but why was it so bad? At some point we have to stop talking about that, maybe when Brian Kelly wins at Notre Dame or retires, we can ask him the question why he let it go so badly, but that's not the point anymore. Um, Tim, you said, I bet the guys feel great because of how much different they feel. But it's not like Georgia and USC and North Carolina State and Navy weren't working. They're yeah, and, you know, I mean, the bottom line is seven months later, you're still zero and zero. Yeah. Since, but that's better than four and eight, right? But it, it is, he, he has turned the page. So he, he, Yeah, I mean, off the field, he has turned the page. And we talked about Michigan State. Michigan State was not able to turn the page because of all the things that were going on, you know, off the field within their program. But, look, if we go back to the spring... Remember when Brian Kelly surprised us by saying, I think the defensive line is going to be better than we thought. I kind of pressed, I think it was at the end of the spring, I kind of pressed him on that, and he, I don't know that he supported it. He kind of backed away from it a little bit at that point. But, you know, I get where he's coming from. I'm sure he does feel good about all those guys that he mentioned today, and your point's well taken, Pete, that if he mentions five, you feel a little bit better about it. But Fifteen, man. Yeah, I mean, when you went, yeah. Backups left and right. It was actually it was yeah. actually kind of impressive that he was almost able to name the two deep because yeah. he's, not real, he's not real big on, you know, being able to list guys and, and names like that. But I, I get all of it. We're just not going to – we're not going to – we're adults. We're not going to buy into <laughs> – to, you know, just all the, the, the preseason verbiage. And we're not, and here's the other thing we have to caution ourselves, or I'll throw the caution out there. We can't come away from tomorrow acting like, okay, now we know about this guy, all these guys. You might see something about this guy, this guy, and then we're going to, then there will be three days of practice. Then we'll see Saturday. And then after that, I mean, really, how much practice are we going to see? But, it's our job to dissect it as quickly as we possibly can. I think I think it'll be obvious those guys are in good shape, and I think you can see the difference. You could see, like a McGlinchey in the spring, you could see the vast physical difference. I think you'll, that might even be even more startling because it's been a longer period of time now. I think the freshmen will 
sort of reveal themselves a little bit tomorrow, some of them, because uh, some of them are going to be <laughs> getting their butts kicked. Uh, well, the practice is scheduled from 12.30 to 3.50. Now, there's got to be a break in there, yeah. but a three-hour and 20-minute practice is going to expose those that are not fully indoctrinated into right. the Matt Dave Bayless system. So, I, I mean, I expect Cole Komet to look great. I've talked about that on our podcast. Uh, I expect Myron Tagovailoa to look good. I've uh, talked about it on the podcast. I am really curious to see what Darnell Ewell looks like. Yeah, uh, he actually walked into the auditorium briefly before BK today. I mean, he's a big dude. Um, what, but was the issue be with the him, right kind of big dude. Was he out of shape when he got here? Is that That's what I heard. I was told that he just really struggled in their first team workout. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, they're down Daniel Cage. That's something we've reported in the past. Uh, they need some of those freshmen before. I mean, when, when Brian Kelly was asked about the defensive tackle position, he started with Heinish, then he went to Tagovailoa, and then some, he had to be reminded of Darnell Ewell. That was not a That was... And he, he, d- he didn't mean to mention Ewell. That's why. And then he realized he had to, because otherwise you're singling him out. He didn't right. come to mind, because he's not the guy... He's not ready like the other Man, people I f- are, I I'm, I'm really... I mean, aren't we all surprised by that? I mean, I'm yes. just surprised by that. I would have been shocked I, if not for what Pete was told. Oh, right, right. exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that was I, I was surprised by that when Pete, you know, brought up a, a few weeks ago. But I, I guess we'll know for sure tomorrow. Yeah. But he he also he didn't mention Micah Dutretway, and he didn't mention <laughs> Brandon Tiasa. Right, he leaves that for every Pete Mokwa. Right, yeah. Right, there's right, right. there's there's something to be said if you're not mentioned among <laughs> the 15 guys that are mentioned. Um, also mentioned. McGlinchey and Nelson, we'll see, because um, I think we were incredibly high, too high on them last year, based on what happened during the season, even though one got a first-round grade, one got a second-round grade. Uh, Sam Mustafer, that's something I've talked about for a while. I don't think people gave him enough credit for playing hurt last year, because we didn't know he was hurt at the time. And uh, I thought Brian Kelly was... He went out of his way to praise him this year, Didn't, which is really the first time he's talked about Sam Muster for since the NC State game. Yeah, in a in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And didn't you kind of feel like that was okay? Here's here's an opportunity to make up a little ground yes. from from NC State, but I'm sure it's warranted. And and you know, Mustafer's never been in great physical condition. Maybe he is now. And that would be that'd be good for him. That'd be good for that offensive line. On that topic, uh, in terms of the heights and weights, you know, Bars was a guy that lost weight, which I find pretty interesting for offensive linemen. Uh, and I think that Tim, you've mentioned that maybe he was too big last year, wasn't in ideal condition. I'm curious um, to see what he looks like tomorrow. And I don't know. I don't know if I. I didn't think that he was in the the physical condition he needed to be to be a right tackle. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just curious to see what he looks like down. I mean, it's only down, I think, about eight pounds, but that might be something. I mean, he's he wasn't somebody that came up today uh, with Brian Kelly, and I don't know if that says anything because like the right tackle position didn't come up either, and that's obviously a, a big question. Andrew Trombetti came up today. Yeah, and I mentioned this to Pete when we were walking out. I think that Brian Kelly talking that glowingly about Trombetti is he sees something in him, and he's trying to instill confidence in a kid that hasn't had confidence in two and a half right. years. And you, we all remember Trombetti saying, I, I can't, I can't my play. Own head, I can't, basically. Well, I, well and, I can't, and I can't play at 265 yeah. Oh, yeah. or whatever he's he was. He yeah. couldn't play. Now, I'm sure it's a different 262 yeah. than it was. It was probably a, a somewhat sloppy 260, 265 then, and I'm sure it isn't now. I, he, I mean, we know he can run, so I think that's why... I think he sees himself as a guy that wants to be on the edge, but you know what? Dale Hayes is on the edge. 
Julian Aquara is behind him. Andrew Trombetti can kind of get in between them, I think. If he has a great camp, he's not going to start over Dalen Hayes, but he can back him up, and he can well, back up and Jay maybe Hayes. Jay, and maybe and he can Jay back Hayes. up Jay Hayes. Right, yeah. and maybe Jay Hayes moves inside since he's two. What what did he check in at, 290? I think it was 290 right on. Yeah. I mean, that, I, he, that was the question I wanted to ask today, but with... Yeah, if the other questions asked, yeah. it was tough. If you move Trebetti inside or, or to the other, to the weak side, like that, you don't have anything left. I, I don't understand how that yeah. would work, but I, I think it's got to be an option that's on the table at a minimum. I right? bet it is, but they don't want to disclose it, right. and they want to give every opportunity to the myriad other players that can challenge at three at the three technique. And if they don't <laughs> get it done, then you got to move. What so, an opportunity! Yeah. I realize yeah. that through that two of them are. Are freshmen, but what? I mean, there's an opportunity for half a dozen guys. There's a, most of them have never played a down. Right. Jonathan Bonner's the most experienced three technique guy on the team. I hope. Other than Tillery, who starts a nose tackle. I, right. <laughs> bon, it would nice. It would be really nice to say, "Wow, Jonathan Bonner looks different." Yeah, you mean tomorrow and yeah. throughout August? Yeah. Like you, that would be. I think the staff would echo that. Yeah, there's no, uh, you know, Josh Adams, Dexter Williams. Dexter Williams was someone that came up today a little bit to my surprise because um, I wasn't really sure where he fit into the pecking order. But he was uh, mentioned as one Jones of the leaders. Junior. Yeah, Nick Coleman, I thought that's that's promising to hear that. Yeah, Nick Watkins came up. Um, and he came up consistently. And I will say, like, Nick Watkins came up more than once. And when I asked directly, who was the – what? give me the next group, the non-captain leaders – he started with Nick Watkins. That was the first guy that came up, and I think Sam Mustafer was number two. Mustafer was two, followed by Wimbush, Adams, Dexter Williams, Coleman, and Dalen Hayes, for what it's worth. I think that's a fine group. I mean, Dick Coleman has a lot to prove. He's one of the more interesting guys to me during camp in terms of uh, guys who are question mark who could be starting. But uh, I do think Dalen Hayes, personality-wise, has all, all, everything that you would want in a future captain. Yeah, I kind of wanted to hear him say Jay Hayes in that group, but just because he didn't mention him doesn't mean that he hasn't right. been one of those guys. And with Dexter Williams, because I lifted my uh, self-imposed Trombetti embargo uh, before August camp even started, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it again with Dexter Williams. I noticed last spring, do you remember when Dexter Williams hurt his ankle or his foot in yeah. spring practice? Yeah, And he got himself back out there. He found a way to get back you in practice. You know why? Because Tony Jones Jr. is right there. <laughs> and Dexter Williams... Focus is probably what they need as well. I'm sure he wants to use all three of those guys. And you get yourself back in there if there's Josh Adams definitely starting and Tony Jones Jr. maybe passing you. And maybe I, not passing him now. How many times have we seen Notre Dame play a team and they get three running backs involved and Notre Dame can't do it? But Arizona State was one of those programs where Chip Long was. I don't know how much Memphis did it, but not that he would he he was a tight ends coach at that time i realize that but he was exposed to an offense that used multiple running backs maybe under chip long that's going to happen it should i mean you have the, you have those it's talent it, it's it's talent that needs to be rotated onto the field uh before we get out of segment one commitments they've had a bunch since our last podcast yeah. um some really good players too yeah jacob lacy the most recent jack lamb shane simon the biggest names jameer smith i can't remember if we've talked about it on this podcast before but let's focus on the three most recent ones lamb and simon just because they're going to be on the team next year jack lamb's going to be on the team next spring um that's huge yeah but- Tim That's Woods. really yeah. sad. Well, I mean, just, the, the the one word to me that summarizes these two is versatility. I mean, these are guys that can play anywhere. I mean, basically anywhere, linebacker. And Lamb could probably be a defensive end. I think he's adamant uh, about not being that. But that's a guy that certainly situationally you let you put him in a stand-up uh, spot off the edge. But 
you know, I think they'd like him. I think ideally they feel he's a Mike, but so is Bo Bauer. So I think there's some flexibility there. Shane Simon, of course, is a rover. But Shane Simon could play. He could play Buck as well. So, you know, you have a, a, a Gufo who we don't, who kind of gets lost in the shuffle now when we talk about linebackers. But they're in good shape linebacker-wise. The, the Buck linebacker position after this year is really wide open. And I wonder if Bilal doesn't move back to that spot so eventually. It seemed like yeah. you would have to, at least in the spring, when you're trying to rep and get veterans out there playing football and having continuity, and then you figure out. And then if he does that, I mean, I can't imagine in his third year of off the scout team that he wouldn't kind of seize that opportunity, right? Right. Yeah, and at that point, he'll, he'll, he'll still have two full years of eligibility right. left, and you got to get him on the field, I think, at that point. So we'll see what happens, but... <laughs> Linebacker situation for the future is much brighter than it was, and those are two really good players. Yeah, because I mean, I've had people tell me who are plugged in around here that they're just not thrilled with what they have at linebacker right now in the younger classes. Like at, at once you get past the well, starting, the starting group, Jonathan not Jones. Included, I'm curious, so would Jameer Jones, what are they going? Is does he? Where does he play? Kelly mentioned they didn't think <coughs> somewhere in the spring. He said, "I don't think we can keep him from gaining weight," which is kind of insinuates defensive end. Okay, well then, defensive end. But yeah, of course. I mean, what? You know, I, I'm not sure that David Adams and Drew White they're they're up they're, they're on the size. clock they're on the clock right now. Yeah, they're. But I mean, you look at both where they they slot in the roster, the six foot linebacker. That just that's and you look at what Notre Dame's recruiting. They're not recruiting short linebackers no. anymore. They're looking for 6-2 and up. So, I mean, I like, after this year, the, the linebacker position, if if I had to guess, I would say Coney starts at Mike, Bilal's at Will, Tranquil's at Rover, but then Lamb's probably running second at Buck, and Simon's running second at Rover. You know, I don't know where Wusikar is going to I, next I think, I don't, I think Simon's a better player than Lamb. I know they're not rated that way. I think Simon has better... Physical body control. Do you think he's a better player? I think because he's on Notre Dame's defense, where you automatically no, put in a position. Or no, 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 no. no I'm okay. saying his ability as I think long range, he's going to be a better football player than Lamb. I'm not saying Lamb's not going to be a good football player. He's going to be yeah. good. I don't think that he has the athleticism that he doesn't have. The athleticism that that Simon, the, the athletic control of his body that oh, yeah. Simon. I has. mean, that's why Simon's a rover, right? You know, right. And I, I think Lamb. They're talking about Mike to Lamb, which Correct. I think would be really interesting to see. That would be a rangy, long athlete in the middle of your defense, and usually they don't have Mike Lambeck. It's like the, Wes Pritchett is the frame that it reminds me of. Now, I talked to Wes Pritchett a couple weeks ago, and he laughs at how slow he was. <laughs> so he's not as athletic, and, but Wes Pritchett was a great player. He led the team of tackles in 88 when he won a national title, but that that kind of frame is what Jack Lamb has. Lastly, Jacob Lacey. Notre Dame has been out in front with this guy, this guy since he was born. Um, <laughs> he's Dave Duerson's actually his cousin, um, so he's got a bunch of Notre Dame family connections. I mean, this was a matter of time. I was a little surprised the time was Saturday as I was taking my kids to the park, but that's how it goes in recruiting sometimes. Um, a, ni- a nice pickup for them. Uh, early enrollment's a possibility, and I think you start stacking up defensive tackles. Jamie and Franklin, Jason Armalola, now uh, Jacob Lacey. Beyond that, you've got Franklin and Adam Malola were at the opening finals. I think Lacey has a good chance to go next year. You've got all the current freshman in- interior defensive line. That, that, man, that position has come a long way. <laughs> um, 
I don't want to say a short amount of time because the guys that it's coming a long way with mostly are still in high school, yeah. but it's getting healthier quickly. Well, his feet are fantastic. I mean, he's 300 pounds plus and he has great feet. And I'm here to tell you that if he was an offensive guard, he's a five-star offensive guard. He might be a five-star defensive tackle. I would definitely list him as a five-star offensive guard. Um, he really doesn't know how to play the position yet. He doesn't know how to consistently use his hands. Um, whatever. He's got two more years of high school. <laughs> he has two more years of high school. You can't teach the size and the feet are just, he has great quick feet for a big guy. Yeah, no question. All right. Well, that's it for segment one, Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back. Segment two, questions from our readers next. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, burning up the board, starting with a question from Irish Fan 425 As hot as our recruiting has been, we are still getting shut out at cornerback. With Plummer, Telly Plummer that is, to Louisville and DJ Johnson leaning toward Iowa, who are our realistic options at corner? Dante Burton for sure. Uh, that's a guy that I, I will be borderline shocked if they don't get now i think he's basically all but done for notre dame he just needs to get a test score and then he'll commit um beyond that good question because uh, there aren't really a whole lot of targets on the board kyler gordon is there i think that unfortunately for notre dame defensive end the at least the weak side part of it and then cornerback is going to look a lot like it did last year where they're going to have to find guys who had really good senior years and at this point i couldn't tell you who those guys are going to be because yeah. um, I know we did not talk, talk about Jordan Genmark Keith on any summer podcast no, we did last not. year because uh, we did not know who the heck he was. Uh, Kyler Gordon's probably the best of that group, right? Whatever yeah. that group is, Don, I think Dante Burton is a good football player. Can he be as good as Cole Luke? Sure, probably. Yeah, um, you know, and they lost the best corner that they 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 had in it with a verbal commitment. So, and DJ Johnson. He's fine. You know, it, I think he'll probably end up at Iowa. I, I think he would have been a take at Notre Dame. But, like, if you want three corners, he's the guy that you would take third. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and I like Plummer's physicality, but that, you know, I mean, that you're, you're going to lose some players. Um, but they're going to, again, have a hard time making up ground there. And, like you said, it's going to have to be somebody that, that emerges. And it worked pretty well before. It's, yeah. I mean, it's some two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they did have the, the Vaughn Pride Love class, but which Crawford is now a member of somewhat. Yeah, but still, yeah. you need to keep signing corners because Notre Dame is going to continue playing football beyond 2020. All right, J Law One, can you describe each game of the 2017 season in three words? Do we want to just go game by game and we'll go around the table? Let's do that. I might right. throw a fourth word in there with... once in a while too. Start. All right. Uh, pr- I, might, I might throw twenty-eight words in there every now and then. Temple. Well, we'll go. We'll start. We'll go. Priest or O'Malley Sampson. Still good defense. A microcosm per Pete. Remember to breathe. Georgia. <laughs> what? Did you read? That? It's going to be freaking tense in there. <laughs> oh, okay. But Pete Sampson has always said that um, the first game. Yeah. Remember, microcosm for Pete is because the first game tells you what's going to happen all season for Notre Dame. It's a good point. And remember to breathe is a Notre Dame mantra this year. Georgia, defensive talent galore. Litmus test. Ready or not. Boston College. (laughs) Still no offense. 
<laughs> kind of stole mine. Traps, <laughs> Trap City. Steve Adazio's offense. <laughs> uh, next up, Michigan State. D'Antonio loses team. Must win, according to Priester. <laughs> I had Priester called it. Yeah. Miami of Ohio. Wait a minute. I didn't say they were going to beat Michigan State. I said Michigan State stinks. I didn't. They're bad on paper. I did not predict a win. Miami of Ohio. Close, but no. Longest press conference. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just can't Hardest, stop, tra- most difficult transcription yeah. is what that one would be. North Carolina. Uh, talent loss extensive. Hurricane Arlene. I assume slippery one wet. <laughs> Is Arlene next? On the... it's, it's on. It's on the list oh, okay. at some point here. USC. About that secondary. Can't stop Sam. Sam Darnold driven. <laughs> NC State. Defensive struggle. Sour grape juice. <laughs> another <laughs> another great chub. You guys got. They're gonna face. They did. Yeah. Chubs all year. <laughs> <laughs> Wake, Wake Forest. Tough ticket to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Elko Bowl. I was going to say, not without Elko. Uh, Miami. South Beach Friday night. Not as full. Not a win. Ooh. Whoa. Ooh. Interesting. <laughs> Navy. Seriously, enough already. Who scheduled this? <laughs> not this year, as in not this year for Navy. And Stanford. Don't go two and six. Big game win. Shaw, real deal. All right, there we go. Season's over. I don't know that. Seventeenth uh, season. I'm not I don't sure know what all that, of our that, records were. Not sure that that lived up to the promise <laughs> that it once showed. But we'll go on <laughs> to uh, MMB four. Like to hear staff thoughts on Niles Morgan expectations for year. Off topic. You think Jalen Smith makes full recovery? No clue on Jalen Smith. I'm not smart enough to really even offer an opinion. Uh, Niles Morgan, I was surprised to hear him mentioned by Brian Kelly as one of the great off-seasons, because usually that distinction is reserved for guys who were not very good last year. Um, it's like kind of a most improved type of compliment. Um, so for Niles Morgan to get it, I think there's a chance that he will go from really good to really great, and uh, I have very high expectations for him. I have high expectations. I mentioned couple months ago, could he maybe be tail before the Heisman Trophy year? He's not going to do that, obviously, but could he be uh, for the Heisman runner-up season, I should say? Can he be that doesn't matter how many tackles he gets, but can he make 13 tackles behind the line of scrimmage? Can he make 20 more at the line of scrimmage? Can he make plays Big against plays. the pass? That, that type of player. I think it's, it, for me it's so difficult to judge Niles Morgan again because he's a Mike linebacker and I told you have difficulty judging them, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I don't know that I would say he was really good last year. I'd say he was good last year. But I, I, I say that not because of Niles Morgan, but because he was playing for Brian Van Gorder. And I don't think you can accur- accurately judge what a defensive player is capable of doing having played for Brian Van Gorder. So, I mean, I want to see him be really good. And I... What's your minimal expectation? I mean, I would think he's going to be a good middle linebacker, right? He's a senior, two-year starter, three-year... Well, I want, I want to see him beat. And I know he led him in sacks last year with four, although that doesn't say much for that defense. I just I want to see a difference maker. I want to see no. a disruptive, yes, that's what I difference-making do. football player. I think he will be, though, don't you? Have we seen that? 
That's all I'm saying. We haven't we haven't seen. It. I know last year was the first time he was a full time starter. I get that. He had some really good games last year, not consistently across the board. I think he is thankful as hell that Mike Elko is his defensive coordinator, and I think that it will show this year. Yeah, I think it it would be fair to look at his last season and just say like he was around the ball a lot, opposed to like pushing it backward. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. He's got to do that. I, and it's like. Would you rather have a 100-tackle season or an 80-tackle season that had a fourth-and-one stop at Stanford? Right. Right. You'd rather have that. You want, he needs to be lighting people up. Yeah. And he's capable of doing that. No would, I would just be surprised if Niles Morgan is one of their five best players at the end of the year. I'll say that. Five best players, football players. He has to be. Yeah. Like, if he's not... They're screwed. Like he has to. I think he has to be great this year for the defense to be good. All right, Nurbach. If you could pick one to two guys that you really think will have solid, productive seasons that aren't really being talked about, who would y'all choose? I wrote this guy's name down before. Well, that's not true. I saw it after. Uh, I saw this. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> we appreciate your honesty. Yeah, yeah. But I did. It, but. It, Brian Kelly saying the things he said about Sam Mustafer today. I mean, I really thought Sam Mustafer, after everything that happened to him last year, including the injuries, including the humiliations, having 12 starts under his belt, I really think we're going to see a major step up from him in his performance this year. On defense, I'm sticking with Greer Martini. I think Greer Martini is a real quality football player, and being in the right kind of defense like Niles Morgan, I think, can really thrive. I hope you're right, because I wrote down Alex Bars first, and that would give Notre Dame a heck of an offensive yeah. line if we're both right. <laughs> I think Alex Bars moving to right guard is was the that's ultimate a, no-brainer. Yeah, that's uh, a good I move. I think he's going to be really good as a senior there. And, I, you know, we talk about Nelson McGlinchey, and they have to be All-Americans, but these two next to them have to be really, really good senior starters. And that would be good news for Notre Dame, and I'm going to steal – I guarantee I'm stealing Pete's here accidentally, but Jay Hayes, oh, <laughs> defensively, I would now I what think he'll be, yeah. he'll be good. Yeah, he'll be good. Well, I, I'm still using Jay yes. Hayes because I'm on this podcast as well. And uh, then I'll throw Nick Watkins in too. Because I, I liked him when he was coming on two years ago and then missed all of last season. Uh, I think he looks the part when you see him at practice. I would like to... I don't know. I, I'd like to see him play more and like win a starting job and be a really good corner. I'm not expecting him to be great, but... I think it's a chance to be really good. So Nick Watkins, Jay Hayes, those are my guys. You know, we didn't mention uh, a lot of people. Yeah, Gary Tillery. <laughs> I mentioned him in instant. Yeah, you said he had to be great. Do you yeah. think he can just be good if no. Jay Hayes is good? If Niles Morgan is great? If the corners are really good? Can he just be very good? No, I think he has to be disruptive. In the same way that now, like you mean we're talking about the, Niles Morgan, like he needs to have a bunch of so, tackles for loss. So after zero sacks and three tackles for loss and seven hundred yeah. snaps next year, he last needs to year. recreate the Michigan State game about eight times. That's going to be tough to do. It's a, it's a, that's a really big that's ask. ask. Statman seventy two have Tim Priester's first rate evaluations of the many strong defense is Notre Dame will face caused Tim O'Malley to reconsider his first prediction that Notre Dame will see its highest. Kelly scoring. Hell no. (laughs) uh, It makes me think more. No, but I am sticking with it. Um, And it's not Kelly's highest scoring offense. This is going to be Brian Kelly's highest scoring offense. Because that's 34 points per game. 34.2, I believe. Mm -hmm. I said the highest scoring offense of the history of the program. Because that's 36.7. It's not that much more. But you know why? Part of it is, 
Well, part of it is that they need it because of what we just said about how Jerry Tillery needs to be great. Well, when he's not, guess what they need to do is score points to catch up or to yeah. beat teams. But teams score more nowadays. 21 teams in college football last year, and these are not all the tiny teams like Texas Tech that just throw the ball over the place, scored more than Notre Dame's all-time highest wow. <laughs> scoring mark, including Navy. Wow. Hmm. Uh, including Michigan, who also had one of the top three scoring defenses. It's, it's, I misspoke. It's 37.6 from 1968. Brady Quinn's team is the only team that's come really close. The good one, not the fake one. 36.7 in 2005. Um, yeah. Teams just score more nowadays, and I think Notre Dame has to score more and will, though having that many good defenses, it's, sometimes it comes down to can you score 50 against, you know. North yeah, Carolina, Carolina and, right. and those type of things, and not and not blow the, and not have any games where you score seventeen, which I do believe are going to trickle in there. There's going to be a couple like NC State. I think maybe Georgia will be a little lower scoring than people think it will. I don't mean low scoring, but in the twenties, people are thinking you know up and down, up and down, up and down. I, I don't. I feel like down. Not people up and down. Not up and down, but no one stopping each other. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I I don't think I see it. Oh, there was way. a there was some things about will it be forty to thirty one. Oh, oh, I don't know why. Like on national broadcast, yeah, I, I don't see that. But anyway, North Carolina State, I think will be low. I think USC has to be high. So I think that even though Notre Dame is playing defenses that were good last year, I still think they have to score to win. They know that chip long tempo. I mean, if they really do run tempo and stick to tempo, then that plays in in, in that favor. I, I just. There is a ton of defensive talent on Notre Dame's schedule. I think I'll be proven wrong if teams like Wake Forest are still good on B. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I mean, if Wake Forest and BC and Michigan State hold Notre Dame way down, then this isn't going to pan out. Yeah. you got to be able to go to Michigan State and score 29 or 34 points. Try to get high 30s, so you, you have to put like 67 on somebody. you got to put something on Miami, Ohio. you got to put something on Temple. Those type of teams. And probably something on weight. And you I probably mean, will on Navy because Notre Dame does tend to score on Navy at Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, that'll be a high-scoring yeah. game and both, I, and both ways. The first rate, is it's not a its not a mathematical formula. I do not have that No, that was, a good, that was a good question. Well, no, oh, no, yeah, I'm saying yeah. no. The question's fine. It's just somebody on a message board said, well, you had Notre Dame ranked six, so you obviously think they're only going to win seven games. Well, I don't, I don't go into it. It's just the way the numbers work out, and I'm not saying that Okay, well, Nordin was six on, so they're going to go six and six or seven and five. There's so many other variables. I just do I do that to rate the talent, mm-hmm. to rate the coaching, and then throw in the one intangible, which is the schedule, which many times is the difference between you know eight and five and ten and three. My favorite part of it was the giant gulf from the top half to the next. That, six, well, that's seven, what I, yeah, that's what I think yeah. is interesting because there are seventeen talent wise. Yeah. Very subjective, of course, but talent-wise, there are seven teams on this schedule. Notre Dame should not lose to this year. And I had a question on the musings: Will they lose to one of them? Well, they lost one of them. Just what? Don't tell me who. Right. Will they lose to one they, of those seven teams? They they lost to Duke last year, and they lost Michigan State last year. They so lost they the lost Navy to last year too. and Navy. What? Uh, yeah, well, Navy would have been in that. Navy, yeah, right. This so, year, I mean, Navy's in it this year at least. Wow, that's three times. <laughs> Could be a long year. No, um, you know, I mean, so there are five teams there that. I think determine right. really determine the outcome of the you gotta, season. You got to beat those teams this time. <clears throat> Absolutely, Army seventy two. <clears throat> what do you need to see in order to have confidence that the DBs and coach, uh, what's Todd that? Light. Oh, coach Todd, coach Todd Light have turned the corner and can be a strength of the team. And will that put DB recruiting on a fast track? We kind of talked DBs already. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to put anything on a fast track. 
Um, you know, I, I think people get carried away in recruiting with one thing being a trend. That's not how it works. Um, you know, it's not like when they signed Tua and Lynch. Well, that was their defensive line recruiting is on a fast track. Like it, it takes years and years of production and NFL development. Like Ohio State's on a DB recruiting fast track. That that would qualify there. I think for Notre Dame, what I want to see in camp. I just don't want to see wide receivers running wide open all over the place. Like uh, we saw all spring. Yeah. I, and I, I don't want to see, as much as we spent time on Chris Fink last year, I don't want to see walk-ons beating scholarship guys. Like, that wasn't good. And in hindsight, O'Malley, you made a great point as we were walking out of the goo today. Maybe we should have viewed that a little bit differently than we did at the time. We were talking about the five tight ends playing, and, you know, was Nick Wisher going to get passed? He's a senior. Well, hey, but Nick Wisher's so good in August. Well, you know who Nick Wisher was killing? Max Redfield. <laughs> Notre Dame safeties, freshmen safeties. That's so we don't want to see that this year. Pete, how much all the all the DBs, corners, and safeties they brought in last year? How how much of an impact is that on? And I know that I know Ohio Both State. Of them? Huh? Are you talking about Notre no, I'm Dame? Ta- yeah, I'm t- well, I guess I'm talking about two years ago when they brought that whole oh, group. Seven man. They have a very young group of corners that yeah. are all pretty good, really. Like how much does that impact recruits? Right at this stage, I know. I know I mean, Ohio State always gets their yeah. DBs regardless. But there's a way to. There's a couple ways to look at. It. You could look at it as like, wow, you can go to Notre Dame and they play guys early, or ooh, if I go to Notre Dame, they're already playing these young guys. I'm gonna have to set. So I, that's, I think it's that's all how you sell with it. it. Yeah, I think it's it's all how you sell. I think two years removed from it, it should be much easier than one year removed from it. But that's not really proving to be the case so far. Uh, at corner now, Derek Allen is the best safety they've recruited in a long time, um, so that's a little bit different. But you would think that at corner, guys would look at that and say, "Okay, they didn't sign anybody last year." It's like essentially like wide receivers; you're going to play three all the time. If you didn't sign anybody that class earlier, that means you're going to be a two-year starter minimum. Yeah, it made sense to me. It wasn't a good thing, but it made sense to me that they didn't get a corner. Last year, when you had three freshman corner play, and I don't, and I don't really think maybe incoming guys look at like Sean Crawford as a threat, but he is. If they don't know that, he's, yeah. he's a threat to yeah, playing time with yeah, all that eligibility. eligibility. Um, I'm not sure you know kids look at that closely or not, but you could see that Notre Dame had young guys last year. It's just two years in a row would be a very bad recruiting miss hole. Be a hole because yeah, we'd be like yeah. missing on offense, be signing four offensive linemen right. in a two year span. That's it's a yeah, that's a hole that you are stuck in, uh, and you're gonna just. Oh, the only way to get out of it is time, and that's just a and a, to be. and another class with four corners in yeah, it. Yeah, where you hit on three. Not they have. You could have a class with four corners that includes Josh Atkinson and Jalen Brown and others, and you just sign corners. Yeah, that, I mean Body, they they sign bodies, guys bodies. They have good young corners right now. We're we. I want to make sure we're not painting the picture. That there's a corner problem this year. We think that's one of the strengths. I think it's the strength of the team. Yeah, you have good backup corners this year, but it's it's the two years away that. Oh, I guess it's three years away, but but it's three years and four years away. That's the problem, right? Yeah, it's a it's a now question and a recruiting question. The recruiting question, I think, is complicated. The now question is simple. You don't want to see guys running wide open. I mean, it goes back to some Todd Light seven signing day that he just when he was coaching both last year didn't have a lot of time to get in technique and one on one type stuff with the guys because it was all scheme and X's and O's. That should all change with Mike Elko because he's taken over safeties and Light can just. Okay, but it happened corners. in the spring too. And I realize that you're, it's it's new coach. We're on the field for the first yeah. time. You don't have all the. You, you don't have the techniques down. You didn't have Crawford. You don't have the techniques down. I get that, but what you're saying is absolutely true about yeah. tomorrow. 
beginning tomorrow, we should not see wide receivers running free all the time like we did throughout the spring. Except in one, uh, we should point this out for practice reports. They're going to they're gonna win one-on-ones every time we do this. Everyone's like, well, what's the problem? Yeah. They're going to win one-on-ones. You're covering a whole field. It doesn't yeah, work that I, way in football. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm, <laughs> I'm talking more right. team structure plays as opposed to, yeah, one-on-ones with no safety help. But yeah. yeah, I get that. Basically, players we don't want to be writing about. Jafar Armstrong, Michael Young, you know, Fink to a certain extent. Uh, can, earned Canteen, right. Cameron yes, Smith. Right. Like, How great the new guys all yeah, look against man, the starters. A little less of that, a little bit more, hey, Nick Watkins look good. Or like Sean Crawford, he had a nice practice today. Because it was just not something we really got much of last year outside of Crawford, who looked quite good from the beginning. But that's that's where Notre Dame is. It's uh, it's sort of a, a prove-it season for Todd Light. So we'll be curious to see how that shakes out. And we will see some of it shake out tomorrow at Notre Dame's first practice. Well, instant else from Culver on Tuesday afternoon. That wraps up around 3.50, allegedly. Some interviews as well. And then we'll be back with our next podcast the next day on Wednesday. Uh, so another Irish Illustrated Insider coming your way in just about 48 hours' time. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.